This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, alcohol use, and discussions of sexism, transphobia, and BDSM play. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 333. Hello, Metamorphs. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamorph City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorphcity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also tell you the latest on my writing endeavors. So let's get started with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 16 of Honor Bound by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, don't start here. Go back to Episode 318 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Alex Hin Townsend gave a presentation to Lord Bellevue and his guests. Alex's parent, the Viscountrix Aralai Townsend, is about to introduce a bill before the Council of Peers, which represents the nobility and the Metamorian government. The bill is a sweeping aid package to help the Empire's 29 million veterans reintegrate back into peacetime society. It will be expensive, and it represents a massive expansion of the social safety net, but as Alex points out, losing the war would have cost them far more. Alex pleaded for Bellevue's guests, all retired military personnel of some distinction, to sign a letter supporting the Townsend Bill. Their endorsement would help a great deal in persuading the more conservative members of the council to support the plan. After Alex's speech, the guests were called in for dinner, and Honor went to check on Natasha. The ex-soldier had left abruptly in the middle of talking to Honor and two retired officers, and Honor was a little upset at this show of bad manners. Through the ensuing conversation, though, Honor realized the problem. Natasha is shy. Despite how commanding and charismatic she can be in the bedroom, being forced to make small talk at a party is a nightmare for her. There's also a class divide at work here. Nearly all of Bellevue's guests are retired officers, not enlisted soldiers like Natasha. Belatedly, Honor realized that she had put Natasha in an awful position. By putting her in front of Father's guests, a tall and beautiful woman in an army dress uniform, with a medal for valor pinned to her chest, Honor has placed a spotlight on Natasha and triggered all her worst social anxieties in the process. Honor asked Natasha if she wanted to go back upstairs. She could have some food sent up to her. Before Natasha could decide, though, they were approached by noble Alex. It turned out that there was a reason Honor had not received a calling card from them that afternoon. Alex had brought it with them in person, 
so that they could place it directly into her hand. In the social language of Metamore's upper classes, that means Alex doesn't just want to be friends with Honor. They're actually initiating a courtship. Alex turned on the charm with Natasha, too, and quickly put her at her ease. The Androgyne suggested that the three of them should sit together for dinner. After all, they said, gesturing at their current feminine form, we girls should stick together. Natasha agreed. Honor Bound The House of Bellevue Book One Written by L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 16 Flirtations Dinner was a much more enjoyable experience than Natasha had been expecting. She, Honor, and Alex all sat together at the foot of the dining table, while Cousin Tyrol and his oldest, crustiest companions arranged themselves around Lord Bellevue at the far end. In between them sat the few enlisted men, the younger officers, and the other androgyne, whom Natasha learned was Captain Lane Harrington, retired, formerly of the IAS Albatross. Harrington took a seat within earshot of Alex, and watched the young officer with the sort of quiet amusement that Natasha had seen from adult cats watching kittens at play. They made no effort to weigh in on the conversation, though, and after a while, Natasha forgot about them. For much of the evening, she felt as if the world had shrunk to honor Alex and herself. Which was exactly as she preferred it. Whenever she and her squadmates had gone drinking— they had found a space in the bar that they could claim as their own, and within that bubble, Natasha could be herself. Yes, there were other people around them, but they had their own lives and their own conversations to attend to, and mostly they didn't give a shit about Natasha or her mates. At least, not until they started dancing on tables, or picking fights with marines on shore leave, or stepping in to kick some mudak's ass for getting handsy with the barmaids. Not that any of that would be happening tonight. There was alcohol, but Natasha limited herself to a single glass of wine with dinner. She had already made a fool of herself once tonight, and she did not intend to do anything else that might wear out her welcome. Tomorrow morning she had to start looking for work, and access to House Bellevue's showers and laundry staff was an advantage she could not afford to squander. Alex turned out to be a delightful dinner companion, witty, outgoing and charming, quick with a joke or an interesting anecdote, but also keenly attentive whenever Honor or Natasha was speaking. Part of Natasha had wanted to dislike the androgyne. Their romantic interest in Honor was obvious, and Honor was just as clearly attracted to them, too. But Alex was so warm and inviting, not to mention beautiful, that Natasha found it impossible to hate them. Besides, it was foolish for Natasha to be jealous in any case. She had no claim on honor. They had known each other for less than twenty-four hours. While the time they'd shared had been wonderful, Natasha had always known it would be fleeting. There was no future in a dalliance between a noblewoman and a commoner. So she pushed aside her feelings of loss and envy and focused on enjoying an evening of good food and good company. Alex seemed to show equal interest in getting to know both of their companions, 
They drew out stories from Honor about raising horses on her country estate, which led to comparing and contrasting with Natasha's experience on the farm in Vieshrad. Honor was keenly interested in learning more about the native horses that Natasha's people used, a short, wiry mountain breed that could face both the bitter winters and scorching summers with little difficulty. Our horses are like our people, Natasha said, taking off points on her fingers. They are tough. They are used to hardship. And if you do not respect them, they will bite you. Alex laughed, but Honor just gave Natasha a wry sidelong smile. I can think of worse things, she said. Natasha felt a fresh wave of heat rising into her cheeks. Yes, well, she said, and hid her face in her drink. Can I ask you a question? Honor said, turning back to Alex. They gestured permissively, and she leaned in close to them, lowering her voice. Why did you come as a woman tonight? If you've come to speak to my cousin Tyrrell and his friends... I'd have thought you would want to look as manly as possible. Aha, Alex said, as if they had been expecting this. You have hit on a topic of vigorous debate in the androgyne community. We find ourselves in a society segregated by sex, into spaces for men and spaces for women. We can enter either of these spaces, but we never truly belong to either of them. So, how best to be accepted? Do we try to blend into the crowd, or set ourselves apart from it? Assimilation or contrast? Honor smiled. Ah, and you believe contrast is the more effective strategy? I believe it depends on the context, Alex said. They gestured down the length of the table, at the old soldiers and sailors with their thick, well-oiled beards and waxed mustaches. If I walk into a group like this as a man, one look at my face tells them the truth. They looked intently at Honor and Natasha now, and while their tone was still light, Natasha could hear an edge of anger behind it. It doesn't matter what my body looks like, and if I wear a gentleman's clothes, that's even worse— I'm a girl playing dress-up. At best, I'm a joke. At worst, well, I'm sure you can imagine. They looked up at Natasha as they said this. She gave Alex a sober nod. Yes, she understood. A woman in men's clothing was a threat to the hierarchy, to what men like these perceived as the natural order. She'd gotten reactions like that before, and it never ended well. So I play to the other side instead, Alex said, gesturing down at their considerable bosom. I accentuate the feminine. Men like these always appreciate a bit of attractive scenery. So now I have their attention, and I can use that to make my appeal for the veterans' bill. And it is a feminine appeal— a plea for compassion, for sympathy, for us to nurture those among us who are most in need. They look at me, and they can imagine the mothers whose sons came home crippled, the wives whose husbands are out of work. Will they take me as seriously as they would a man? Perhaps not. 
but they never would have in any case, which is where allies like Lord Bellevue come in. But I am not a joke, and I am not a threat, and if they can hear echoes of their own wives or sisters or mothers in my plea, then so much the better. Honor nodded thoughtfully. You've thought about this a great deal, haven't you? Androgynes are always thinking about things like this, Alex said seriously. We have unlimited freedom of gender expression, but it comes at a cost. We can take nothing for granted. However we present ourselves, it is a conscious decision, a statement, one that will carry consequences, for good or ill. And whatever choice we make, there are others who will tell us it is the wrong one. They smiled tightly. We grow thick skins, we androgynes. But I'd be lying if I said it was never tiresome. Honor reached over and took Alex's hand in one of hers. Oh, Alex, I do apologize. I was only curious. I did not mean it as a criticism. Alex smiled tolerantly, patting her hand with their free one. I realize that, my lady. You did nothing to give offense. It is only the game that grows tiresome, not you. They lifted Honor's hand to their lips again, kissed it lightly. I doubt you could ever be tiresome. Honor smiled awkwardly at that. She drew back her hand and placed it in her lap, glancing down at her plate. Well, she said, I must say, I think this look suits you very well. Alex inclined their head in a gracious nod. Thank you, my lady. That's very kind. Of course. Honor hesitated a moment, then added, Do you find it comfortable? Does it suit you, I mean? What, being a woman? Honor nodded. Alex seemed to consider the question seriously. As well as any shape, I suppose. Again, it depends on context. They showed Honor a playful smile. Why, would you like to see me in this form again, Lady Honor? Honor's cheeks, already pink, now turned a shade that resembled a boiled lobster. Her eyes flicked over to Natasha for an instant, and then back to Alex. I... I think that I would like that, noble Alex, she said. I should like that very much. After dinner, Lord Bellevue and his guests returned to the drawing room, where copies of Townsend's bill had been laid out for examination alongside the letter of support. Noble Alex lingered in the dining room with Honor and Natasha until everyone else had gone, but finally rose to their feet with apparent reluctance. Duty calls, they said apologetically. Miss Volkova, it was lovely to meet you. I wish you the best of luck in your search for employment, and if there's anything I can do to help, please don't hesitate to ask. I can't promise that my recommendation will count for much, but for whatever it's worth, I am happy to provide it. Natasha lowered her head, humbled once again by the androgyne's warmth and kindness. Thank you, my noble. 
and thank you for this thing you are doing for the soldiers. I hope it works. As do I, Alex said gravely. Then they turned to water, took her hand again, and kissed it. Milady, I hope to see you again soon. If you would honor me with a visit, I should be delighted to show you more of our fair city. Honor beamed. Thank you, noble Alex. I think that would be lovely. Alex stepped back, bowed once more to Honor, then turned and swept out of the room as graceful and energetic as ever. Well, Natasha said with a wry look at Honor, it seems you are no longer lady alone in capital with no friends. So it seems, Honor said in a slightly dazed tone. They seem like good person, Natasha said. And your father likes them already. This is good. I hope they make you happy. Honor blinked, then looked up at Natasha, her expression quickly turning to worry and dismay. Oh, Natasha, I'm so sorry. That must have been awful, watching Alex flirt with me after... after everything we did. She looked down at the floor. I'm not used to being the object of such attention. I'm afraid it rather went to my head. Gently, Natasha placed her hand under Honor's chin and lifted it. It wasn't the sort of thing a commoner should be doing to a lady, but they were alone now, so Natasha didn't care. Honor's brilliant blue eyes flitted up, locked on hers. You have nothing to be sorry for, Natasha said. We had fun. It was good. But you are here to find partner, da? To find... What is word? Not husband. Honor let out a nervous chuckle. No, apparently not, she conceded. A spouse, I suppose. Spouse, Natasha agreed. This I cannot be for you. But this Alex, maybe, is good match. She nodded approvingly. You should go see them, like they say. Do not worry about me. I will be happy if you are happy. Honor ducked her head, but her lips parted in a self-conscious smile. All right. Thank you. She hesitated a moment, then said, I think my duties as hostess have been fulfilled for the evening. Would you like to... to... Continue what we were doing earlier. Natasha's loins stirred at the idea, but her brain overruled them. She ran her thumb softly across Honor's cheek and gave her an apologetic smile. I would enjoy this, she said gently, but it's probably best if we do not. I do not wish to be jealous of noble Alex, but the more we share, the harder that will be. Honor looked disappointed, but she nodded and sighed. I suppose you are right, she said. She glanced hopefully back up at Natasha. One last kiss, then? Natasha glanced around the room again, but they still seemed to be alone. Very well, she said, then bent and kissed her. 
She had only intended it to be a brief kiss, nothing more than a chaste touch of their lips, but Honor threw her arms around Natasha's neck and held her tightly. Without meaning to, Natasha found herself deepening the kiss, her mouth opening to Honor's, their breath hot on each other's skin. Boldly, Honor thrust her tongue inside Natasha's mouth, and Natasha let out a soft moan of desire. Summoning every bit of self-restraint she had, Natasha pulled herself away, gently pushing back on Honor's shoulders to break the embrace. She glared down at Honor, who was smiling impishly, a wicked sparkle in her bottomless blue eyes. Honor's lipstick had smudged, and Natasha could only imagine how much of it was smeared over her own face. She wagged a finger at Honor. That was very naughty. Honor's smile broadened into a grin. It was, wasn't it? She took two quick steps back, turned toward the doorway, and took two more steps before looking back over her shoulder. If only there was someone to punish me for being such a naughty girl. Then she glided out of the room, her head held high, while Natasha stared helplessly after her. And that's the end of Chapter 16. Come back next time, when Lord Bellevue takes Natasha aside to discuss a private matter. The House of Bellevue will be released over 51 weeks, at a rate of one chapter per week. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Samuel Johnson said, I would rather be attacked than unnoticed, for the worst thing you can do to an author is to be silent as to his works. And someone left a mean review on the House of Bellevue this week, so I'm trying really hard to take this to heart. Anyway, here's the weekly writing report. This update covers the week of June 11th to June 17th. I wrote 1,090 words this week, over the course of 1.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 727 words per hour. I wrote on one out of seven days this week. This was another busy week at the day job, and I wasn't able to get any writing done during my lunch breaks or in the evenings after work. My free time seems to have evaporated lately. By the time we're done with dinner, an hour of television, and cleaning up after dinner, it's time for me to start getting ready for bed. I've also been dealing with a lot of brain fog in the mornings, which makes me wonder if I'm not sleeping soundly, or if I've been fighting off some sort of illness. I have been able to get some reading done here and there, and I'm continuing to practice the piano almost every evening right before bed, both because I enjoy it, and because it's good therapy for the arthritis in my hands. But it's frustrating to be facing another dry spell in my writing. So far, I haven't seen any impact on book sales or page reads from last week's promotion. There has been a modest increase in ratings for the House of Bellevue, the vast majority of them positive, so it appears that the books have mostly found the correct audience. 
but it looks like most of the people who have picked up on our bound for free haven't finished it yet. If I see any changes in that, I'll let you know. Over on the Patreon feed, we have a new patron this week. Please welcome Jordan. If you like what I'm doing on this show and want to help me keep making it, becoming a patron is the very best way to support me. For a small monthly or annual contribution, you can get access to exclusive artwork from our talented Metamore City artists. This week we've just welcomed the newest member of our team, Adam Waldron. He's a local artist right here in Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm very excited to see the pieces he's going to be producing for us. Join at the $3 a month level or higher, and you'll also get access to the first drafts of new stories as I write them. To get started, go to patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. Take a look at the donation tiers and choose the one that's right for you. And if you're already a patron, thank you so much for your support. I couldn't do this without you. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester, the fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.